You want me to hit that record? Is that what you want? I want you to hit it. Hit, hit it and button. quit it. Get up. Get your mouth up hit, on that microphone. Hit the button and I'll move my mouth in closer. Welcome to Lyrics to Go, the podcast where we take a deep dive into lyrics that are questionable at best, but have largely dodged public ridicule until now, except for this song, Till I think. tonight. Um, I am Mark Davis, and I am here with Seth. How are you, Seth? I'm doing really good. I'm looking down at my feet and thinking Teddy Pendergrass would like me because I got pretty feet. <laughs> he does have pretty feet. I didn't wear shoes. I wore flip-flops. And Go those toenails do look like uh, yellowed shells uh, oh, no. on, the be- on the beaches of Sanibel. <laughs> Um, I got shells. It's a rainy night, Seth. It is. It's a gloomy day. It has been. We did have tornado warnings uh, today for Lee County. Um, there was a uh, there was a tropical storm, and this uh, this somber front uh, almost uh, almost foretold that we would be recording this episode tonight. Something dark and gray and cloudy. Something terrible. Something wicked this way comes. Something strange is afoot at it the is. Circle K. Uh, for tonight, we are finally doing an episode about a a wonderful song um, in, in a lot of aspects, except lyrically, um, called Brown Sugar by the Rolling Stones. This is just another one that we're here for. This is why this show was created. It's not always going to be comfortable. It's not always. Sometimes it's going to be hard. This is what we're. This is what we're going to mount up on on this one. Um, so good is the music to this. Um, a rock critic uh, described it as a rocker so compelling that it discourages exegesis. Um, it basically saying it's so good that it makes you not want to look into the lyrics and pick it apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I think most of the verses um, kind of keeping in line with some of the stuff that we have talked about, uh, you know, all I want to do is make love to you comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, basically the chorus brown sugar. How come you it taste so, so good? good? It's like, yeah, brown sugar does taste good. Yeah. What absolutely. a tasty, uh, you know, I used to eat uh, strawberries mm-hmm. with brown sugar. I put it in my oatmeal. Oh, it's very good. Oh, it's delicious. And it's like, you know, it is it is good. And then you almost forget that the next line is uh, just like a black girl should. Well, you know, uh, I've heard this song quite literally my whole life, man. Yeah, you I were mean, much more well versed on this. I've I mean, when I, I when I was uh when I was like 14 or 15, you know, I always listened to the radio and pop radio when I reached a certain age, you know, you couldn't listen to pop. I'm about 14, couldn't listen to pop radio anymore. When you did turn on the radio, it was just to scowl at songs that you knew were good, but you know, you didn't want to admit to your friends. But I, I spent years working manual labor in cabinet shops and other jobs and I've been doing that. And you listen to radio stations, to, you know, uh, rock radio stations and this is always always been there it's just been in your life and even if you you know even if when you're younger and you scorn these you know the, the the songs of the older generation deep down you knew this is one of those songs that just sounded happy and 
it, it, it made you feel good when you heard it, even if you weren't always really taking a deep dive into the lyrics like we are now. Yeah. This is the first song on the album Sticky Fingers. Oh, such a good fucking record. It was recorded in 1969 in Muscle Shoals, if you're unfamiliar, in Alabama. They got the Swampers. Yes, they do. They do have the Swampers. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm. Uh, Sweet Home Alabama. Um, And uh, there is... Uh, Keith Richards, there's a little quote where he was talking about the lyric writing process for Brown Sugar. Uh, this is a quote uh, in his, uh, his book uh, called called Life. They started running down Brown Sugar the first night, but they didn't get a take. I watched Mick write the lyrics. It took him maybe 45 minutes. It was disgusting. He wrote it down as fast as he could move his hand. I'd never seen anything like it. He had one of those yellow legal pads, and he'd write a verse a page. Just write a verse, then turn the page, and when he had three pages filled, they started to cut it. It was amazing. Um, There's something really eerie to me about how this song just kind of poured out of him like that. Um, Now, the the song has been uh, said to be inspired by two women. Mm Mm-hmm. Both African American. Yes. Uh, one a soul singer named Claudia Lanier. Yes. Um, toured with uh, Ike and Tina, I believe. And she was also the inspiration behind David Bowie's Lady Grinning Soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is another woman who uh, people say that it is attributed to, and it seems like might be a little bit more likely a woman named Marsha Hunt. Mother of his first child. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Jagger's secret girlfriend, mother of his first child, Karis. And um, and a beautiful woman. Yes. And uh, she has been asked what she thinks about the lyrics. And she said, basically, I don't feel any way about it at all, um, which is kind of strange to me. A political answer. <laughs> a very, very political yeah. answer for sure. Um, Jagger, when asked about this, um, the lyric was all to do with the dual combination of drugs and girls. This song was a very instant thing, a definite high point. Um, That's not a political answer. That's just dismissive. Yes. Not addressing, uh, you know, the the controversy that definitely at the time didn't, you know, we got to put it into the time. Would it have been inflammatory back then? I believe yes. But to the degree of today, absolutely not at the same, you know, at the same, not, not at all. It, uh, it, it, you know. Um, in the climate of today and what we know and, uh, you know, sensitivities, when you look at these lyrics, um, you know, uh, people are going to get riled up. People are going to get upset when they really, really know what it's about. Uh, back then, I believe that's probably the same thing. However, you have to look at, you know, what's going on when it's being written. You know, he attributed a part of it to Marsha specifically in other interviews um, and, I think it's probably time that we just start saying the lyrics at this point. Well, I just want to do say, uh, I think that it is interesting. Um, uh, from the Wikipedia article, it says, after noting that the lyrics could mean so many lewd subjects, he again noted that the combination of those subjects, the lyrical ambiguity was partially why the song was considered successful. Bullshit. Which, uh, the lyrical ambiguity, no, when we no. get into the lyrics here, I don't know how ambiguous it is. He noted... <laughs> Quote, who, that, who who wrote ambiguity? Who wrote that? I, it does not say. It's, it's just part of the Wikipedia. Okay, because I want to know the person to stamp the he's full of shit stamp on. 
because there is no ambiguity well, he, about he this at all. He does kind of make it sound ambiguous himself. He says, and I quote, that makes it the whole mess thrown in. God knows what I'm going on or what I'm on about on that song. It's such a mishmash. All the nasty subjects in one go. I never would write that song now. When, uh, when the interviewer asked him why, Jagger replied, I would probably censor myself. I'd think, oh God, I can't. I've got to stop. I can't just write raw like that. Um, Wouldn't it be easier if he just uh, chalked it up to youthful impetuousness? You know, because I don't think that the guy's like an overt racist. I doubt that. I, I completely doubt that. It just saying, you know, I, I can't write it now because I'm old. And back then I was a young, crazy kid and I could blame it on being a young, crazy kid at the time. I could blame it on my youth, you know? Yeah. Um, Brown Sugar's popularity, again, from the Wikipedia article, indeed often overshadowed its scandalous lyrics, which were essentially a pastiche of a number of tab- taboo subjects, including slavery, rape, interracial sex, cunnilingus, sadomasochism, lost virginity, <laughs> and heroin. And slavery and rape are the, I mean, interracial sex and cunnilingus, who gives a shit, sadomasochism, I couldn't care, lost virginity and heroin, who hasn't written a song about heroin, Yeah, especially in the 60s and 70s. They, they left out a statutory rape to a degree. Right. Yeah. But slavery and rape, right off, right from the jump, um, they make it. Yeah. Pretty obvious. It's just like setting the world on fire. The first verse, Gold Coast Slave Ship Bound for Cotton Fields. I mean... (laughs) Man. How do you write that lyric and not immediately have the producer go, uh, no, let's... I mean, I guess you don't tell Mick Jagger no. You know, okay, let's look. 1969. He probably has, I'm guessing about eight or nine grams of coke up in in his brain when he's writing this thing. That's what I'm guessing. I mean, he's just feeling all good about himself. He's getting wild. He's getting crazy. I, I, that that would be my guess is, I, you know, I need to write some lyrics. I'm going to sit down. You know, what have, I've got this, uh, I've got this uh, African-American girlfriend that, you know, we've been living it up together. Uh, and I have, and, and, I, and I'm trying to, you know, draw up this fantasy, uh, whether it's bad or good. He draws up like, you know, some sort of weird, a scenario or story in his brain, you know, and, and this is what pops out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even that's a weak explanation, to be honest with you. I mean, sold in the market down in New Orleans, scarred old slaver knows he's doing all right. Hear him whip the women just around midnight. <sighs> what a fucking heavy verse. I mean, fantasy. I don't fucked up as a fantasy like that, man. Jesus. Yeah, I I don't. um, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Marsha, get in here. I got my whip. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. Um, Now, apparently in the same book, Keith Richards says, um, if you listen to the lyrics, he says, Sky Dog Slaver. Uh, though it's written as Scarred Old Slaver, mm-hmm. um, Sky Dog is what they called Dwayne Allman in Muscle Shoals That's because right. he was high all the time. That's right. Uh, Mick Jagger heard someone say it and he thought it was a cool word, so he used it. Um, apparently, that's still kind of argued whether or not that's true. Right. Um, 
that would have been like peak Dwayne Allman period, man. 69. Right. He was just that he was going full bore at that time, man. People were just listening to him and just shocked at how great he was. Brown sugar. How come you taste? So how come good? you taste so good? Now, uh, another interesting fact. Uh, this is another quote from uh, from uh, from our man Mick Jagger. Uh, I'm not sure. This is from a book by Stanley Booth called "The True Adventures of the Rolling Stones," that apparently was maybe from a, a quote from him talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, while he was writing this, he wrote, I've got a new one myself, no words yet, but a few words in my head called brown sugar mm. about a woman who screws one of her black servants. I started to call it black pussy, but it's, I decided that was too direct, too nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. It's not nitty gritty enough to talk about the slave ships coming from the guy who wrote cocksucker blues. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, brown sugar, just like a young girl. Should. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what he was shooting for. What does Mick Jagger and the singer, uh, the Ed Robertson, Ed Robertson from uh, Bare Naked Ladies have in common? Apparently they have a thing for young girls. Young, well. <laughs> Whether yeah. they be uh, uh, brought up uh, by Sailor Moon. Oh, yeah. And making you think the wrong things. Well, the same could be said about a lot of celebrities. You know, Woody Allen, uh, Chuck Berry. Um, you know, uh, we forgave back then. Steven Tyler, Ted Nugent, all of these people, you know, had uh, relationships with underage girls. I'm not talking like, you know, uh, preteen, but uh, teenage girls. And don't think that I am making an excuse for any of this. Um, but they all did, you know. Um, man. Yeah. This is a tough one, dude. Drums beating, cold English blood runs hot. Lady of the house wondering when it's going to stop. All right. So we're getting this from a different perspective all of a sudden. Um, you know, we're looking at the perspective in the first verse of the of the slaver and what he's doing. Now the lady of the house knows what's going on, and she's getting upset, you know, with the, with the drums beating and uh, the English blood, you know, running hot. Obviously, the the slave holder, done from a different point of view at this point. Done from a, you know, God, man, yeah. Every bit of the joy is just being sapped right out of this song as we sit here, man. Every bit of it. Yeah. So there are two I possible mean, interpretations that are written in Genius.com. One is the lady of the house knows that her husband is having sex with his black female slave. That's what's going on. However, as women had limited power during this time, there was nothing that she could do. That's exactly. The second is the lady of the house is hot for the house boy. In this reading, perhaps she's the slave's play music or dance to drums. Mm. Uh, she then takes out her arousal on the house boy having sex with him just around midnight. Of course, the next line is house boy knows that he's doing all right. Mm. Well... I didn't look at it that way. You're right. Once it goes so, into the... Yeah, I mean, both of them are... This is, I think, the verse that is supposed to be kind of turning it into... Uh, uh, okay, so we screwed up with slavery. Right. And now, like, I guess this is like the... 
English people are like warming up, like like white people are warming up to black people. Is that what this is supposed to be? I don't think so, Mark. I just don't. I mean, <sighs> you, you can't hold somebody in bondage, you know, uh, against their will, and then you know try to make a a happy scenario out of it. As we watch the the uh, the, the fun of this song just drain away. Yeah, um, you should have heard him just around midnight. And I think, um, I think, I think that we all know that that means that the sounds of coitus, there is some coitus fucking going on. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what's, what's happening. That's it's, I mean, it's happening all over the place. And of course, if you were around the Rolling Stones in 1969, you would know that it's going around them all, all of the time, uh, all over the place. I mean, Jesus, this was 1969. By this time, I think Brian Jones had died, but before that time had fathered something like six or seven children. You yeah, know? I, I mean, think in the Wikipedia article, they mentioned Mick Taylor being in the... Yeah, this is, I think, the very beginning of Mick Taylor being on there before they went away and did Exile on Main Street in France which um, at Nelco, which is a really interesting time you know, for the Rolling Stones. Um, and once again, that record is just absolutely full of just the most happy, emotional music. If you hear this song on the radio, you can't think but to yourself, but man, what a great time these guys must be having. It sounds like the happiest music in the world. You know, I, I will tell you, this. it's kind of ironic that we're doing this song now because um, Claire, the singer of the Free Coasters, yes. uh, was just in Alabama and visited Muscle Shoals. There you go. And she was talking about the recording of this album. Mm -hmm. And she said that when she took the tour in Muscle Shoals, that um, it was so loud it shook the building when they were recording there. Really? Like they recorded just cranked up to 11. Man, you know, what are the most, what's one of the most interesting things that you can imagine happening to you in your life? I mean, you know, like you're there when your kid was born, you know, hitting a home run when you're, 10 years old in your little league to win a championship or being in the room when the Rolling Stones are recording a record. Oh yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's gotta be right up there as like one of the most interesting things that, you know, in the 1960s and seventies, it's gotta be the most when interesting Jagger place. walks up with a legal pad and goes, right then I got some lyrics I want, I want <laughs> to sing. And he's like, Gold Coast sleeve right. down for cotton fields. I got some and lyrics. Go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, listen, don't get upset. Don't get upset, all right? It's going to sound great. And you're like, it does sound good, but yeah. I'm a little scared. Yeah. Brown sugar, how come you taste so good now? Brown sugar, just like a young girl should. Yeah. I Today I learned that a, a young girl should taste so good. <laughs> you didn't know that before? No. I guess not. Uh, then I think there's a little piano thing. Uh, and then uh, another chorus. Ah, uh, get on brown sugar. How come you taste so good? Uh, got me craving the brown mm -hmm. sugar, mm -hmm. just like a black girl should. Mm. Now we've gotten, we have now bridged the gap. Yeah. Now we're just straight on to the third verse. Gone to the slaveholders' desires, to the uh, to the lady of the house's desires, to well, here we go. Yeah. Ah, and I bet your mama was a tent show queen. Now and we we definitely have to break that down. So, yeah, a ten show queen uh, is, you know, vaudeville. Possibly uh, like a reference to like a Hattie McDaniel type character from Gone with the Wind. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, the Genius.com uh, annotation uh, has a Willa Mae Buckner uh-huh. page here. The fact that she had 16-year-old boyfriends suggests she's either extremely sexually liberal or more likely prostituting herself. A a tent show queen would have been a featured performer, probably in a vaudeville act, if the song is progressing forward in time. Like a burlesque dancer. Yes. Yeah. Um, And all of her boyfriends were sweet 16. There you go. I'm no schoolboy, but I know what I like. Mm -hmm. You should have heard me. Just around midnight. midnight. Yeah. Once again. Um, so here we are now in the present tense. We've gone from the beginning of slavery to now. Yeah. Um, Coming from Africa, from the Gold Coast. We've yeah. made it to New Orleans, then made it to the plantation, so to speak. You know, gone through the the, 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 the torture and then the, the lady of the house. Now we're, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I... I think that, man, this song is. <laughs> We've maybe we should just change the name of the show of "Extracting the Joy from Songs That You Love," because at this point, you know, I I have so many, you know, we, we would sit there and sing, you know, we'd hear this come on and we'd all go, yeah, 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 woo, you know, and right. sing along with it and dance around the shop. I, I specifically remember times that that happened. You know, and just and it was such a happy, you know, happy ass music, man. It was so it was so fun to hear. And you're not paying attention, which is, of course, what we're here for. You're not paying attention to what right. he's singing about. You you know, yeah. I mean, you do know he's probably singing about a brown girl, you know. And trust me, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with yeah. you know showing attention to the brown ladies. I go home to one every night. But you know, but when you dig down into it. Yeah, Boy, it, it, just Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Um, brown sugar, how can we taste so good, baby? Ah, uh, come down, brown sugar, just like a young girl should. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo. Woo. How come you? How come you taste so good? Blah blah blah. Just like, just like a black girl should. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo. Um, it would be great. If there was maybe another version of this where he still said, yeah, 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 brown sugar. Yeah. How come you taste so good? You know, because there's really ultimately those words. There's nothing wrong. I I don't think there's really that much wrong with it. You know, digging into this whole scenario of, you know, uh, beating a slave, you know, obviously turns you off to it big time. And it's, it's hurtful. It's very, very hurtful. But, you know, singing a song. Can you think of any any other songs? about uh, uh, brown girls, or for that matter, you know, uh, b- brown boys, you know, uh, getting into, you know, slightly uh, promiscuous scenarios that, you know, were, uh, well, I suppose you'd have just about anything that... I mean, know, there are loads of songs that black men sing about black yeah, women. Yeah, yeah, and... The 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 problem and black he, women and, sing and about I black think, men. Or even... I think what I think what he's trying to do here is creatively bridge this thing where he's going. Okay, like this started. This you know, slavery was fucked up and awful, and white people you know 
took people from Africa and brought them here and then raped them and have like used them and abused them and like basically continue to do it to this day. Yeah. And if he's trying to bridge it, then why did he make it so sound so damn happy? Well, and I mean, it's you just know? it's I don't know that this that a song like this and like yeah, like with with the the feeling and I I think you put it pretty well. Like the demeanor of the song does does not fit the lyrical content. No. You would think that if we're talking about how fucked up this is that we would not be singing this jubilant yeah, uh, the triumphant sounding song like look what I got, you know. Yeah. Look yeah. what I mean. And I can't really tell if in the end what he's trying to say when he's having sex with a black woman is um like this is like this is awful that I'm continuing this with my fame and fortune mm. and you know cuz tokenism, I shouldn't say tokenism, but fetishism this song That's, reeks. This song reeks of fetishism. It does absolutely. And there are bands and, like I don't know if you're familiar with um, with the band uh, Foxy Shazam, but there's like a lot oh, of yeah. there's a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah, fetishism yeah, yeah. there mm-hmm. where it 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 it's supposed to it's supposed to read like um oh like see how open I am mm-hmm. that I like black women. Mm-hmm. But it, I think, I would think that for black women, and I can't speak for, as a white man, I can't speak for black women, but I, it reads to me as fetishism. It doesn't read, I mean, you can just be like, well, the answer I think immediately is, oh, am I into black women? Well, of course I am. I'm into just women, I guess, because... I'm a straight male. It yes. doesn't matter what race you are. God love the ladies. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'm into all I'm colors. In, of yeah. Ladies. I'm into women. Yeah. Um, But when you're, when you have to specifically be like, Hey, but you know, and I, 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 I can even understand having like, Oh, I'm into like, Oh, I, I tend to like women that are blonde or I, I tend to like this, mm-hmm. but like when it gets to a pro, when it gets to a point where you're just like, Oh, fuck black girls should taste so sweet like this it's like <laughs> mick fucking sit down yeah, for a minute and take a fucking shower you dude. need an like, ice block to sit on yeah yeah <laughs> jesus christ someone Absolutely. like encase this man's cock in a fucking ice condom so that he just can't fucking you know yeah, he's like, gotta chill out man yeah, i mean it, yeah like it it just it i i can't tell what he's trying to get at because there are just so many problematic, fetishist, creepy, weird things going on. Aside from him giving us this uh, uh, quick guide to the history of slavery. Maybe he was trying to write history text. Hell, man. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. You know, hey, guys, this was what was going on. He needs, sure made it sound like fun. He needs, but, to, he needs to leave that to Houghton Mifflin. Yeah. And, probably. Uh, and or the the Encyclopedia of, Britannica or something. Yes. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, because it's just, it's just, I mean, 
Uh, I wouldn't be lying if I didn't. I, w- I would be lying if I didn't say that you know throughout when I was younger and I heard this song come on that I didn't you know stand there and dance around with the other guys and sing yeah 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 woo because it sounds so damn happy. But you just don't know what's going on in the rest of the song. Yeah, you're you're never really paying attention to it. And uh, uh, when the Stone, boy, that, when that the Stones perform this live now, Jagger often changes the lyrics from "just like a young girl should" to "just like a young man should." Okay. The line, hear him whip the women just around midnight is often changed to the less offensive. You should have heard him just around midnight. Yeah. See, he knew something was going on with this thing. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So this is another one of those, again, um, sort of like hearts, you know, all I want to do is make love to you. They're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Like, okay. Like we're looking back on this, and uh, I mentioned that to some people. Speaking of that episode, I mentioned that to some people that I know that you know are classic rock fans, and I actually said to him, you know, I was working with a friend of mine, you know, dissecting the lyrics of songs. I was like, and I, I knew one of the ladies there. I said, you know, that's like one of your favorite songs, and she goes, yeah, yeah, I love that song. I knew that, and I brought it up to her, and I said, did you ever pay attention? Oh yeah, yeah, she's uh, she picks up a she picks up a drifter in the song. And I'm like, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, she picks up a guy on the side of the road and takes him. I said, yeah, but do you know the outcome of that? She had never paid attention to it. Mm-hmm. And when I kind of broke, you know, the bad news to her, she was like, <laughs> are, you, are you really? I was like, yes. And I was like, and they don't sing it anymore. And she was like, well, God, I guess they have a good reason not to. I'm like, yeah. It was just one of those things at the time, which would make sense that, you know, Mick is going to go along and, you know, kind of... <laughs> What is it? Soften the corners of this song just a little bit. Is that, I mean, has he done that? Has he really done that? Especially if he isn't changing the opening line from Gold Coast Slaver. You know, I mean, yeah, uh, I I think we should also mention that the Gold Coast uh, of Africa is is what? the West Coast. <laughs> the best coast is the West. Coast. Well, it, it is. It's well, the it's, Western coast of it's, Africa. It's Ghana. Yeah, Ghana. Yes, Ghana was yeah. the was the Gold Coast at the time. Uh, one one last interesting little uh, nugget um, is that uh, Little Richard uh, covered this song while he was uh, signed to Reprise God Records. God bless Mr. Pennebaker. So uh, yeah, it's yeah. a pretty interesting. Love uh, Little Richard, man. Just thinking of Miss Little Richard uh, covering this song is uh, now Little Richard covering this song is a completely different. I think that changes. It changes everything. the tone, yeah, completely. It does. I mean, th- that just goes to show, you know, the amount uh, of shit. It makes sense. I mean, yeah. it with him, it totally makes sense. You know, I mean, this is this is the edgy type of shit that he did. Well, you know? and, it's, and coming from a black person, yeah, and it's it's it, this is our history, yeah, rather than a white person telling you, you know, oh, this is the way it was. No, good. they, yeah, it, right, it, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So there you go. Brown sugar. I'm, just, it was like ripping off a Band-Aid. We just had to do it. It was. It really was. This is one of the it, it, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, songs that we listen to that are, you know, that are so wonderful and happy sounding that, you know, you just get. I remember once again when I was a kid uh, hearing a Pink Floyd song um, that I can't remember what records and record record it's on, but it's called Free For. And uh, it sounds so happy. It's got this little happy, jaunty guitar at the front of it. And uh, and the first words are, the memories of a man is in his old age are the deeds of a man in his prime. You shuffle in the room of your sick room as you torture yourself and you die. 
you know, it's another example of, you know, such a happy sounding song that's just so, oh shit, it's going to bring you down if you pay attention to it. Yeah. yeah. So, but hey. Another thing that the Smiths were really big into. Yeah, another band. Happy sounding songs. Oh yeah. Were just like a suicide wrapped in a happy little box. Exactly. (laughs) Big Mouth Strikes Again is is a wonderful example of that. What an awesome, upbeat sounding Ripping song, but now I know how Joan of Arc felt as the flames rose to her Roman nose and her Walkman started to melt. You know what I mean? And then I'd like to smash every tooth in your head. Sweetness, you know I was only joking when I said. I mean, yeah, happy sounding stuff that just brings you down when you really listen to it. I mean, when you really pay attention. Yeah. I'm never going to, just between me and you, Mark, I'm never going to dissect this song ever again. You Good. know, actively, we can lay this to rest. Yeah, I'm gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna put this one in, in its in its little brown sugar coffin, and uh, and and lay it to rest. And I'm still probably gonna sing yeah 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 woo, but yeah. when the rest of the lyrics come up, I'm just gonna do my best like I did in 1992 and not pay attention. All right, and uh, what song are we gonna do next? On our next uh, on the next lyrics to go, we're going to delve into the mind of a madman. The Motor City Madman. Oh, okay. I believe that's uh, the gentleman known as the Nuge. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, there's this guy that lives in the wilds of Michigan, and he uh, he, he kills things with a bow and arrow, and he writes horrifically bad songs about horrifically bad things that probably were done in tour buses that probably (laughs) a lot of people want to forget about. That probably smell like smells that you wish you could forget about. Yeah. You could put into the recesses of your mind, and it can only be brought out through extensive therapy. (laughs) Now, there are so many songs we could do, and what song do we decide, what song do we land on? Zwango, Zitango. Perfect. Wango Tango by Ted Nugent. (laughs) Fantastic. It's going to be fun. It's going to be terrifying. It is. It is. Uh, All right. We will be back next week. Mark, we don't have to sweat through another brown sugar. No, I was yeah. dreading this'll, this one, man. This will be a nice vacation. This will be a walk <laughs> in the park. We're done with <laughs> Compared to brown sugar. It's done. All right. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Ow. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Thanks a lot for listening. Our theme song was done by Exploding Pages. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for songs or lyrics, you can send them to lyrics2gopod at gmail.com. We'll be back here next week. <laughs>